continue in this series, and, and we've taken three weeks and looked at Philippians chapter 1, and today we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, we had kind of a pause in our series because we had kind of like an impromptu family meeting in the middle of the message and kind of cut it short and just kind of left. Um, and so that was cool, but that was not intentional. It's kind of Holy Spirit led it, and so that's what we were going to do uh, because we want to be led by the Spirit at all times. And so today uh, we're going to kind of pick up right where we left off, uh, and we're going to look at chapter 2, verse 1, and we're going to work through verse 11 this morning. Um, this series is really one of those series that grows with itself. It, it builds on itself, and you need to know what has happened in the previous weeks in order to understand what's happening today. Um, and of course, you can always read the Bible in, in itself and be spoken to um, by God through it, but it also helps to understand the context and understand the background and things like that. And so, um, if you haven't been with us for the first couple weeks of this series, I'd suggest going back to our website or Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, wherever, a million different places you can watch it and watch, our, watch those messages online and catch up. Um, because that will help you um, figure out where we're at. And, you know, things like uh, Paul's writing, it says, he, to the saints at Philippi, uh, he's writing to believers in Jesus. And we said last week that's absolutely important to know that he's speaking to believers, uh, specifically because he gives them some instructions. And a lot of people think, well, if, if you're not a believer and you just do these things, and it makes you a Christian. And that's not true. He wasn't writing to people telling them, how to be Christians, uh, how to become Christians. He was writing to Christians, telling them how to live. And those are two very different things. And so as you, as you think about those things and, and as you process what's going on, especially today because it's about how we live, remember who he's writing to. Remember that he's writing from prison. He, this is about ten years later. Uh, he had already planted this church. He and a, a bunch of guys had planted this church in Philippi and he's writing back to them. He loves them. He dearly loves them. Remember, we saw that in week one. He's saying, man, I wish I could be with you. Uh, you guys are part of my heart. You're part of my family. Let me tell you some things that have happened with me, and let me tell you some things that I think you need to focus on. And so that's what he's going to do in this letter. Um, and so that's where we're going to pick it up at in, in, in week four, uh, chapter two, verse one. Uh, we're just going to be continuing right where we left off. So Philippians chapter two, verse one. I'm going to read all of it through 11, and then we're going to go back and, and kind of you know hunt and peck and do those things and, and look at some of the things that he draws out there. So verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, this is the New American Standard, it says this. It says, therefore, now, okay, I'm just, I know, man, I always want to pause. What do we say when we read it therefore? You guys know this, right? Ask the question, what? What's it there for? So this is in response to what he just said, which is why I told you, you really need to kind of know what happened already, okay? And we can't do this every week. We can't do this huge review. But taking those things into consideration that we've already talked about, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, verse 2, make my jo so if those things are true, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent, on one purpose, verse three, doing nothing, uh, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. 
Have this attitude, verse 5, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, that's like an impossible task, but this is what he's telling us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. So, that's kind of the first section, jumping into the next section, verse 6. He's talking about Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9, and we'll close with this section here. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, as you look at all of those verses together, you really, as I looked at it this week, you really see kind of two sections. You see section verse 1 through 5, which is all about like church unity, which is what we began to hit on last week. If you remember, at the end of the text, he's talking about church unity. And then verse 6 through 11, he's talking about now in order to be united together, you need to be like Jesus. And this is what Jesus was like. So he spends the first section talking about church unity. And then he spends the next section talking about Jesus who was the ultimate uh, sacrifice for us. He was the ultimate uh, example of humility, things like that. I read this quote from Matthew Henry. I wonder if any of you besides the Tysons know who Matthew Henry is. Uh, oh, we've got one back there. Yeah, because we taught we had Matthew Henry's commentary in our EBI classes. Matthew Henry said this. He's a who is he's like late 1600s, early 1700s theologian in England. Okay, he says this about this section of what Paul writes. He says he says Paul presses them largely to like-mindedness and lowly-mindedness. Does that make sense to you? So he's, Paul is saying be like-minded. And be lowly minded. This is the kind of those two sections. Be unified and be humble. This is what he's teaching here. Like mindedness and lowly mindedness to the conformity to the example of the Lord Jesus, the great pattern of humility and love. And so let's look at that first section, uh, if you will, with me. We're going to look at that first verse, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion... Now, as you look at that text there, what is the word that keeps popping up? What's the word? It's a small word. If. Now, this is a weird word. And I know last week we did that weird word study and got into Greek and all that. And some of you are like, why are you talking Greek? You know, and all this crazy stuff. We're not going to go there today. But it's interesting that this word, if, he kept saying if, if there is any encouragement in Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you say there is encouragement in Christ? Raise your hand if you believe that there is encouragement in Christ. Okay. Would you say there is any consolation of being loved by the God of the universe? There is, right? So, the author here, Paul is not asking a question. He's not giving this like conditional statement. If these things are true, really this word means, it would probably be better translated, like maybe since, or because of this fact, or in light of the fact that there is consolation of His love. In light of the fact that 
uh, we are united with Christ, it's all, it would almost be better to write, since you have encouragement from being united with Christ. Since you have comfort from His love. Since you have fellowship with the Spirit. Since you have tenderness and compassion. You could also say, because you have those things. You could say, in, in light of all of those things, so this is not a conditional like kind of question. Like you can say, if we go to Disneyland this year, right, to your kids, and they can be like, yeah, we're going to Disneyland! Right? This is not an if. And you're like, no if, right? If you're good, we're going to do. That's not the kind of thing that's shared here. This is a certainty. These things are certain for the believer in Jesus. These are, these are assertions, statements of fact. These are not just questions. And my prayer, I asked some of you already, my prayer is if you're a believer in Jesus, you have experienced encouragement being connected to the God of the universe. If you're a believer in Jesus, there should be some kind of encouragement in you. And that's what he's getting at. He's like, listen, these things are true. And if they're true in you, then let's do some things with that. I know for me, because if you remember, he already shared this. He said, trying times are coming ahead. He talked about the trying times that he has had. He's in prison at this point. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, when I struggle, when I'm dealing with trying times, it is so comforting to know that the God of the universe is on my side. Right? I mean, amen? Like, that is, that is a comforting fact. That when trying times are coming my way, when I'm in the middle of chaos, when I'm in the middle of depression, when I'm in the middle of whatever, listen, the God of the universe is on my side. And that gives me courage. It encourages me to press forward, to move on, to go deeper in, to advance the Gospel. Those are things that he's talking about here to be encouraged by. And my prayer is if you're a believer in Jesus, you've experienced some of these things that he's saying here. He's saying all kinds of stuff, but because we have been united with Jesus, the One who came to save, saved, Ultimately, He's back in heaven. He's guiding us. He's directing us through the Holy Spirit. We are connected to the God of the universe. And that ought to give us courage. It ought to give us strength. It ought to give us a feeling of love and compassion and mercy and those things. And so here's what He's saying. Because of those things, since those things are true, He's not asking if they're true. They are true. And because of those things, because we've been united with Jesus, look at what he says in verse 2. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. So this is, this is all about church unity here. If you remember last week, we began to talk about this and then we got sidetracked. Okay, And that was my fault and I apologize, but I kind of don't because we needed to do what we did. But anyway, we talked about this, and I just came up with this uh, acronym last week about church unity. What does church unity look like? It, it look, and I added ing to all of these words because when you're ing'ing something, it means that it's active, that you're continuing to do it, that that it is a a thing that just keeps going and going and going. And we looked at these words that unity is about understanding each other. It's about being on the same page. And we're going to see these are some of the exact same things that Paul teaches us today. It's about neighboring. What did I mean by neighboring? Do you remember? I just hit it really quick last week. 
None of you remember because we barely talked about it. But I talk about loving each other. Like being a neighbor to someone is loving on them. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Just like loving on them. Yeah, back there like Emmy, putting his arm around his mama, right? Or, or Lupe or whatever. Like putting, like putting your arm around someone. Loving on them. Showing them the love of Jesus. That's part of unity. Interceding, which is to pray for someone. Part of church unity is to pray for each other. Intercede between them and the God of the universe. Say, I'm going to pray for you about that. And actually doing it. Transforming that, that we be part of something bigger than ourselves. That together we're transforming and being molded and made into the image of Christ. That this is what church unity is about. We're not just getting together because we like each other. Because some of you don't like each other, right? You love each other. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Because some of you are weird. And I'm like the chief weirdo here, right? Like we're, and we're talking about this. You have to yield to each other. This is a community that yields to each other. That you give up your rights in order for the other person to be seen and heard and lifted up. And that's about humility. And as you look at what he told us in this text, he says, be of the same mind, be of the same love, be of the same spirit, be of the same purpose. These are these two lists are absolutely interchangeable. I mean, they're the same thing. He's talking about the same thing today that we were going to talk about last week, but got sidetracked. So I don't feel bad about getting sidetracked because we're getting after it today. And he says this, he says, be of the same mind, be of the same love, be of the same spirit, be of the same purpose. Now look at same mind. What does it mean to be of the same mind? This is what he's telling the Philippians the church at Philippi, who were very different people. We know the first three families that were part of it, right? You've got Lydia, rich, powerful, kind of metropolitan type Asian woman. You, and her family, so you've got a big family of money and class and, and all kinds of abilities and had, the, had all kinds of things. And then you've got a little slave girl, the poorest of the poor. Uh, you know, she's demon-possessed. And then you've got the jailer, kind of a middle-class, kind of rough dude. You know, he's a military guy. Imagine a church just beginning with those three families, right? You want to talk about different, right? I mean, it's just gathering. God's gathering up all these different people together for one purpose, one mind, one love. And he, of course, Paul is writing them this letter saying you need to be united. Because there would be some things that would kind of keep them separate, just like in any church. This is the type of thing that every church needs to hear and understand. And so to be of the same mind means that you understand each other. Or at least you're trying to understand each other. And that you are willing to listen. That you're willing to have an open mind about Maybe how someone has been raised differently or has come from a different culture or whatever. And here at Ecclesia, I love how we're so different. And that you can understand each other and even agree with each other on certain topics. And maybe not all topics. Like if I was to say, what's your opinion about the kids being separated? Wah! You know, it would go crazy. Some of you like on this side, others would be on that side. But we are united in Mind, And I'm not talking about uniformity. Okay, there's a difference between uniformity. Do you know what I mean? Like we're all the same. There's a much bigger difference between uniformity and unity than I think people understand. Unity is a bunch of different people 
from different walks of life, different cultures, different ideas, coming together for one purpose. That's what Paul's getting at. Uniformity is... All of you need to be exactly like Gigi. You need to dress like her. You need to look like her. You need to speak like her. You need to talk like her. You need, you know, all of those. That's uniformity. That's everyone the exact same. And listen, how boring would that be, right? Not that she's boring, but like all of us just to the exact same person. What a boring place that would be. And, and how fruitless of a church you would be because Gigi only has a certain amount of gifts. She only has a certain amount of skills, but together, Man, we are the whole body of Christ. And some of you, like Barbara and Sally, are, are out meeting people and sharing with people and you've got this heart of compassion. And others of you are not doing that, but you're supporting it financially. And others of you are out here working and doing... Like all of us together make up the body of Christ. And we are so much better together and different, but united so much better that way than just a bunch of little Johns running around or whatever, right? And that's what he's getting at here. It's so much better to be on the same page and different than just everyone the exact same person. What Romans 15, 5-6 says now, I think it's up on the screen, it is. He keeps writing this concept of different churches, different areas. Now may the God who gives... Now may... Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another. He says this here. He says this to them too. According to Christ Jesus, through that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason this is important to be on the same mind as a church is that there are a whole lot of beliefs floating around out there about God, about the universe, about this or that or whatever. And Ecclesia has its own set of beliefs and we believe, like what we read in verse 6 through 11, that it talks about, Paul writes about Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He stepped, that He took on skin and, and lived a life here and gave us um, His life as a sacrifice for all, and that gift of salvation was a free gift. It was a, a gift of grace. And there's nothing that you can do to earn it. And so at Ecclesia, we believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. And so if I believe that, and most of us believe that, but, but, brand, uh, uh, brand, oh my goodness, oh my gosh, uh, you know, Philip over here, or whatever, or George, or whoever, you know, like whoever it is, whoever it is, when, when let's say like, um, I don't know, uh, I, I believe in grace alone and, and faith alone, and Jake's like, no, I need to, I, I believe more in uh, works that we're, earned, we're, we're earning our salvation. Well, Jake was a youth leader for a while, right? And our youth ministry has moved over to Oasis. But if I'm here teaching the kids that salvation is by faith alone and by grace alone, but Jake's teaching them what's well, really about works, we're going to have some trouble, right? So we need to be on the same page. We need to be on the same mind when it comes to those important theological you know, discussions, those beliefs. And so, my prayer is that you understand what we believe here. We believe what the Bible says in verse 6-11 through 11 there about Jesus. And those things are absolutely important. So, let's be on the same mind. It says to be of the same love. I'm going to share another quote. that I don't do quotes a lot, but I know, probably again, maybe only a few of you know who John MacArthur is. Do any of you know who John MacArthur is? Some of you will. Two of you, yeah, the, our two normals, our normies over here. 
They know John MacArthur's a pastor over in LA. He's he's got a great ministry. Is he retired yet? I think he's getting he's getting close to retirement. He's very close. But anyway. Oh, sweet. Look, she even knows it. She knows it. So, uh, John MacArthur has a real big church, a ministry called Grace to You. He, he's, he's writing about this same concept of being on the same love. And I love what he says about it. He says this, he says, To have the same love, speaking of church unity, okay? To have the same love is to love others equally. And on a purely emotional level, having equal love for others is impossible because people are not equally attractive. And we're not just talking looks-wise, right? We're talking that you are... It's impossible to love everyone the same from a human standpoint. Because some people you connect with and others you don't, right? Look what he says. Agape love, though, is the love of will, not of preference or attraction. It's based on an intentional, conscious choice to seek the welfare of its object. So what Paul is getting at is he's saying, listen, you need to choose to love each other. You need to choose to love each other. And that's hard because there's a bunch of weird people here, right? And like I said, I'm the chief weirdo of the weirds. And I don't mind saying that because I know I'm weird and I'm unlovable at times, right? And Emmys, my, my vice president back there, are weird, right? Like normally, if there was not the, the choice of you to love these people around you, you probably wouldn't be hanging out with them. Not some, you have some things in common, but look around you. We're different. Different interests, different goals, different backgrounds, different cultures, different, all kinds of different. But Paul says, you choose to love the person to your left and to your right. And like right here, this is a perfect example. Um, perfect example, because K- Caitlin here didn't choose to love her mom to her left. Her mom, like, it's easy to love your mama, right? Easy. Some of you are like, oh, you don't know my mama. But like, it, blood, right? Blood causes you just naturally to love the family. It, there's a familial connection. And let's say Caitlin and I, she loves me because we're friends. And because I've been her pastor for years and because we have things in common and, and things like that. So th- there's this common bond, right? And so she, we have, there's an attraction there. There's, a, there's an attraction here. Of course, she loves her husband who, I don't know why she loves him. Maybe she loves him because he cooks a great lasagna and looks great in those tight skinny jeans. You know what I mean? Like she loves him for reasons that others of you don't love him. Right? Like, her attraction to him is different than he and I's attraction. Right? <laughs> Prayerfully. Right, Doug? Otherwise, we got problems. I mean, I did do the wedding. I was there. I did the pre-marriage. It was, it was okay. Um, but check it out. Her love of Jason or her love of Tim or Gigi is a lot different. Right? And not because they're not lovable, but because she doesn't have that same connection that she has with her mom, which is blood. She doesn't have that same connection with me as a friend for years. She doesn't have that same connection as a husband. It is a choice to love Jason. It's a choice to love Tim. It's a choice to love Gigi. And that's what Paul is getting at here. It is a choice. And you've got to make that choice. If you want to build church unity, you choose to love the people around you, even when they're unlovable. Because that draw and that attraction and those that are not there. And so Paul's saying... Do a good job of it. 
And listen, I think we do a good job of it here. I'm not saying you suck at it. I think we do a great job of that here. But let's keep pushing forward. What? We have unity. But let's keep pushing forward in it. And we've got to keep pushing or else we'll never get done. John 13.35 says, By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So our love for one another, right, is going to share with the world God's love. We talked about that last week. He says, so be of the same mind, be of the same love, be of the same spirit. Now, Ephesians 4.3 says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, this is kind of on the same um, line, but do you guys remember, you remember this. You got, I know some of you little kids probably don't remember this and teenagers don't remember this, but those old people like me, Jake, you're younger than me. You remember this? Okay, car rides. You're probably the youngest real adult in here. Actually, you're younger. Do you remember this? You don't. Okay. Robbing the cradle. Okay, so there's the cutoff right there. There's the cutoff. You're still a girl. He's a man. Well, you know what I mean? Like, okay, you, you get it. But here's the deal. This is a cool toy. Did any of you have one of these or an Etch-A-Sketch? It's kind of crazy. I bought this on Amazon for $4.20. It was kind of cool. But anyway, here's what Paul's talking about. Like when we go, when we separate today, or let's just say we were at the ball game, right? And every, you can't, you're not going to be able to see that it's going to fall. It's all there. Did you see it fall? Okay. Let's say we're at the Diamondbacks game and we're all in one place and then we go home. What happens? We all leave, right? And there's no connection to each other other than you were at the same place and it was a ball game and yeah, you experienced this cool thing. But here's what Paul's saying. Be of the same spirit, and this is going to be the spirit, little magnet, okay? Just trying to, trying to make an illustration here. Be of the same spirit. Now, what happens when we leave? It's the spirit that binds us. What happens when we take the spirit away? Watch, I'm going to do this. Watch, I'm going to take... It goes away, right? Now, what Paul is saying, what Paul is saying is be of the same so that way, when you leave here, when bad things happen, when chaos happens here in church, it's the Spirit. Because we can do this, right? And what's happening? Staying connected. There can be violent stuff happening. There can be chaos in the church. There can be all kinds of stuff. But as long as we're connected to the Spirit, we're going to be connected to each other. And that's part of church unity, being connected to the Spirit. Not just because it's a cool place to hang out or because they give you free pancakes. Right? Because Listen, it's the Spirit of God that binds us. And it's something that if we lose here, if the Holy Spirit is no longer priority to us, if we just become a social club, you know what's going to happen? Right? Chaos is going to come and we're going to falter. So think about that as you think about the same Spirit. And we're going to continue. This Be of the same purpose. This is the last one. Be of the same purpose. Now, this is kind of similar to being of the same mind, but it's actually next level, if you think about it. It's like same mind, but this is actually kind of next level. It's about purposefully moving in the same direction. Not just believing the same things, because we need to believe the same things, at least the core you know, spiritual beliefs, but there are lots of churches that believe the same thing and have drastically different purposes. Okay? Drastically different 
um, pathways. And we need to be on the same page when it comes to our purpose and our pathway and the, the ways that we're going to do ministry. We need to be on the same page about those things. So we need to be of the same purpose. What are the purposes of the church? There, If you look at Scripture, there are two main purposes. I mean, you probably anyone could say, well, here's what I think the purpose of the church is. Here's what I think the purpose of the church is. And, you know, Rick Warren wrote the five purposes of the church. Here's what Jesus said right at the end of His time here on earth. He gave us two things to look out for, two things to keep in mind. And you guys all know these things. It's to preach the gospel and make disciples. Okay? Preach the gospel and make disciples. This is being of the same purpose. That this is what this church is going to be about. And here's how we're going to do those things. We need to be on the same page. If we're going to be united as a church, we need to be on the same page on those things. And you can see the Scriptures there. It's Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 28, 19. Very famous passages. Or Jesus, I mean, his last few things he's saying, say, go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. These were his last words to us, his kind of marching orders, if you will, for us. These are the things that we're supposed to do. And we do that. Listen, if you look at the rest of the New Testament, you look at all over the New Testament, this is not going to be the first time and it's certainly not going to be the last time that we talk about church unity. Because he keeps hammering church unity in and out and up and down and sideways. Because, listen, these churches were filled, just like we are, with people that are different. That have different ways of thinking. That have different uh, goals and aims. And he's going to keep preaching this because trying times are coming to these churches. And trying times could be coming our way as well. We need to be united. Look what he says in Romans 12. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's something we need to be doing as a church. Being devoted to each other in brotherly love. To give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. This is important. Remember who he was writing to. Lydia. The slave girl. The jailer. Their families. These are people that were very, very different. And so he's going to continue to talk about church unity. And really, if you think about it, church unity happens on, like, I guess, maybe three levels. It happens individually, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, church unity takes each of us doing our own part. Church unity takes us collectively working together. So you're doing your part, and then I'm doing my part, and collectively we're working together for church unity. And then it also happens supernaturally, right? That God's going to have to do some things in it when those times get tough, when we've got people that are disagreeing, and when you've got people that are so different on beliefs and things like that. So we've got... The church unity individual purposes. We've got church unity collectively and we've got church unity supernaturally. We need to think about all of those things when it comes to what we're pursuing. Now, that's verse 1 through 5. 6 through 11 is really about 
the practical application of those things. How do those things happen? By being humble. By being humble. Look at the rest of 2, 3 through 5. It says this. Paul gives some very practical advice on how to stay united. It says this. Don't do... uh, Here you go. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with... What's that word? Humility. Humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you want church unity, then you're going to have to put others before yourself. Less about you, more about others. If you want church unity, you're going to have to try to outlove the people around you, to your left and your right and behind you and four rows back and the people that are not like you. You're going to have to try to outlove them, meaning pour out your love and devotion and and energy and, and time on them. If we're going to be united as a church in church unity, then you're going to have to try to love the people around you because it's not an easy thing. You might not be attracted to them. It's going to be a choice. So look at what Paul says. How do you do that? You be like Jesus. Verse 5, right? You be like Jesus. That's our example. Jesus is our example. Now, that's impossible, Right? Without the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. Without the power of the Holy Spirit working through you, you can't be like Jesus at all. You can try and you will fail. But Paul tells us it's all about being like Jesus. And then in 6 through 11, he describes the life and humility and lordship and the gospel. He describes all those things in verse 6 through 11. Let's read it. So he tells us, be united in Christ. As you act like Jesus, as you follow His example, and then He describes Jesus. And here it is in verse 6 through 11. It says this, So Jesus, who, although He existed in the form of God, did not not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But He emptied Himself, taking on the form of a... What's that word? Bondservant. That's about humility, folks. And this is Jesus, the God of the universe, who steps out of heaven and takes the role of a servant for our sake. This is our example. He takes on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse 9 for this reason also, God highly exalted Him. So because He, he, he humbled Himself, He humbled himself. He was then exalted. This is scriptural, y'all. You want to be first? What do you pursue? Last. Right? You want to be the best? Be last. There's all throughout the Scriptures. Sit at the, sit at the back. Take the furthest parking spot. God's going to reward you for those things. This is all throughout Scripture. For this reason, God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and where else? Under the earth. Listen, all men and women, all beings, (laughs) bow at the name of Jesus. All of them. It does not matter what you believe. 
you will bow at the name of Jesus. It does not matter whether you believe in Him or not, there will be a day where you will bow at the, knee, at, the, at the name and at the presence of Jesus. Think about that for a second. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That, remember, even the spirits, remember, even the spirit, the little spirit in the, in the slave girl, even that demon was like, this is Jesus, the Son of God. Even the demons know the truth and proclaim it. Isn't this just like an awesome description of our Savior? This is, think, if you think about the reality of who our Savior is for us, who He is with us, who He is to us, Jesus being God steps out of heaven and, and like takes on skin and lives a perfect life as an example for us and dies a horrible death in our place so that way we could be made new again. This is the Gospel. And it's the most beautiful story ever told and it's the reason for us to be able to pursue things like being of the same mind and the same purpose and the same spirit. It's the whole reason for pursuing church unity is because of what Jesus has done for us. That He's made a way for us to pursue those things. He's made a way for us to encounter the God of the universe in a real way. Listen, there was no way for us to, for us as sinners doomed for hell, there was no way for us to be made right with God through our own ways. It was only through the power of the cross that Jesus accomplished that. And He accomplished that on our behalf. And that ought to be something that we scream from the mountaintops, that we live out in our life. It ought to change the way that we live. It ought to change the way that we're united with each other. It ought to be our example. And that's what Paul says. It says that He is our example. It was the ultimate act of humility. And listen, it's impossible. To live that way is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I know some of you are like getting all antsy because you know it's about time to go. So we're going to close there. But I want you to, and ladies, you can come up. I want you to think about like what Paul is calling us to do. He's calling us to be united together. It's going to take us it's going to take work for you individually, right? It's going to take work for you individually to love the people around you that are different than you, that are weird, right? All of the, It's going to take you individually to do that. It's going to take us corporately doing some things like fellowships, doing some things like where we do these engagements where everyone participates and in those things you get to know each other and you get united with it. It's going to take those things. And then we're going to have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to do His part supernaturally. Right? So it takes each of us individually. It takes the church working together in the same purpose in mind. And then it takes Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to come and do the things that we can't do on our own. To help you love the people like Jake. Right? And like me, who are just weird. Right? It's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit in you to be able to come alongside and love people that are just weird. Or different than you or whatever. And so I pray that we can do those things. I pray that as we read through these texts and as we, as we encounter these things that Paul's writing to these churches, that these are things that change our church 
And I mean, we're having a church meeting right after this about church unity, right? We're having, a, we're having a meeting, like just here in a few minutes, about being united in one purpose, in one direction for the gospel, so that way people can be saved, and so that way disciples can be made. And I didn't, make, I didn't do this whole series because of those. This is like what God's doing. It's cool that He's doing it all at the same time. So um, if, if there's a few of you guys that can help us with the offering, I'd appreciate it.